Welcome to the Drink It Through podcast, proudly brought to you by our friends at Dare Ice Coffee. Normally a Welcome to episode eight of the Drink It Through podcast brought to you by Dare Ice Coffee. My name is still Claire White. However, the name of my co-host today is not Simon Lethley. Shock horror. Uh, new guest, introduce yourself to the listeners. How are you, Claire and everyone? My name is James Gallagher. I'm the newly appointed head of list management here at St Kilda. Now, the Drink It Through audience is very familiar with who you are, James, to the point where we nearly had a gags watch in the lead up to your first day. We're all very excited. Simon is your number one fan, though he went very early on the Gags uh, nickname. Is that something you're comfortable with? Where is Gags in terms of like, can we call you, can the drink through audience call you Gags? Absolutely. I'm I'm not used to being called James or, or anything else. Someone actually called me Jamie recently, which is which doesn't sit that well. Okay, good so, to know. Um, uh, Gags is, that's how I'm generally known. I'm fine with that. Just the one G. Just the, the one. Okay. So, yeah, got it. Yep. Excellent. Well. That's a good place to start. Now, we um, we were very excited about your appointment. Great to have you here. You've been here for like six weeks now? Uh, about four and a half weeks. Four yep. and a half? Yep. So you just feel part of the furniture, so it feels like six. Um, you came at a very interesting time for the club, very busy past month and a bit. Um, but we'll, we might go back to the start just quickly, introduce you properly. Mm-hmm. Former Adelaide Crows player. We played 38 games there between 2001 and 2004. Can we talk talk us through a bit about your time at the Crows? Uh, so I loved my time at the Crows. Um, the way I describe it is uh, as good as this job is in the first four weeks, uh, that's the best job I'm ever going to have is being a professional footballer. So I'm a South Australian mm-hmm. uh, originally. Uh, I was drafted a little bit later than most. I was sort of 20, um, nearly 21 when I was, I was put on the rookie list there. Uh, and I was there for four years. I scratched around and tried my best, uh, was always on the fringe and then ultimately my lack of ability was um, discovered after about my fourth <laughs> year uh, and I was given a tap on the shoulder and said, thanks, but you're going to go with the good players from here on in. So, <laughs> Well, uh, that seems a bit harsh on yourself though because you didn't just fade away into obscurity. You went on to have an extremely successful career at the illustrious Norwood at which you were third generation Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Played 228 games, you won a flag, back-to-back best and fairest, you captained there for several years. What was your time at Norwood like? So I'm very fortunate that I grew up barracking for Norwood, so mm-hmm. they, were, they were my team. Uh, so I was very lucky that I got to, to play with them and I played with Norwood prior to starting with the Crows. So I was there for, after I finished school, probably 14 years, 14 or 15 years. Um, played through, you know, most of the grades there. And absolutely love my time. Played with a sensational bunch of, uh, of fellas at different stages throughout that. I sort of across uh, a couple of generations, really, for the length of time I was there. Uh, made some terrific friends. It's a club that I'm, you know, incredibly passionate about, being a sort of a third generation in my mm-hmm. family to play there. Um, loved captaining the club and managed to hang in there just long enough to, to play in a premiership as well, which, uh, which is a very fond memory. So you've played at the Crows, you've played at Norwood, you're living every South Australian dream and then you go into the natural progression of finance. <laughs> how, how did that come about? Uh, well, being, so being at Norwood, um, you know, you, you're semi-professional. We, we sort of um, trained a lot but you, you need, uh, need a job 
uh, throughout the, the day as well to, to support yourself and um, those sort yes. of things. So, um, and as I mentioned, I, I wasn't picked up um, on a rookie list until I was sort of 20. So I'd, I'd managed to um, get into a uni degree by a couple of years by then. So I was fortunate enough in my time at Adelaide to finish that off. I uh, did a finance degree, finished my time at Adelaide and then was faced with, well, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And I was pointing the direction of a few people in, in banking, um, thought that, you know, that sort of fitted my skills reasonably well. So I tried that and that actually um, yeah, went pretty well. So uh, I did that initially at Westpac for, for about four years uh, while I was playing at Nord and then got an opportunity across at Macquarie Bank in Adelaide um, and started there uh, in about 2010. So while you're at um, Macquarie and Westpac, obviously – Upon your appointment, people were like, who is this banker man and how is that relevant to football? Yep. There's type of skills that you have brought across from finance to footy. Can you just talk us through how there is that relevant link there, apart from the fact you obviously know about football having been a player, um, how those skills have transferred in this past month? Yeah, so I think it's pretty important as the, as the, the AFL industry evolves and becomes more and more professional um, that the requirement of the people in my type of role uh, probably evolves with that too. So we have here at St Kilda, um, we have a sensational team of recruiters, so led by uh, Chris Liberatore um, and the team. They know junior footy and footballers uh, and, you know, even state league players um, inside and out and they do a fantastic job of that. I know that a bit, um, but where my skills um, sort of, I've got skills in other areas as well and part of that is finance so having some, some really sort of commercial acumen in understanding sort of financial modeling um, the value of you know players and teams now and into the future um, and also how to structure different sort of commercial arrangements um, primarily in my role being being contracts uh, so that's so having those sort of skills and, and a lot of it's just even about sort of having those financial discussions with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think the, the club are looking for, for me to bring that in um, as well as some, some strong footy knowledge is some, you know, some financial acumen as well. And what led you back here sort of personally, I guess, why did you want to get, were you actively looking to get back into football or did this job just come up and you thought, actually, I can do this? Uh, look, a bit of both. In the back of my mind, I've always – so I'm, I'm, I consider myself a football person. Mm-hmm. So I've been working in, in finance for the last – uh, 11 or 12 years, um, the whole time thinking, well, I'm doing this and I'm, this is going okay. I quite enjoy what I'm doing here. But at the heart of it, I'm a football person. So in the back of my mind, I've always thought for the right opportunity, I'd love to jump across uh, back into football. It sort of needs to be the right opportunity. So I, without being too proactive, I sort of um, keep my ear to the ground with opportunities that are, that are going um, in AFL clubs. I've managed to Know, build some reasonable networks around um, sort of administrators and, and um, key people at AFL clubs. We've made aware of this opportunity, so uh, yeah, put a CV together and, and applied, and um, it's all gone okay so far. I think you've, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, well, you, it's only been four weeks. So, it's only yeah. been four. Well, yeah, it's only been four weeks. It could all go pear shaped <laughs> from here, <laughs> it, listeners. It could. <laughs> you have come at an extremely busy time, especially for your end of the building. Um, Yesterday, yep. trade period, mm. It is we are in the throes of it. Yep. Firstly, what were your thoughts leading up to this week? Obviously, um, this is 
10 days or so of active trade, but has been months of conversation, negotiation, bits and pieces. Having only been here for four weeks and now you're thrown in the deep end of this pool, what's going through your mind on Sunday night like the floodgates are about to open? Yeah, it, there was a bit of that. In fairness, I'm pretty well supported here with um, with Simon, Tony Elshaw, Steve Lenny and Chris Liberatore, certainly involved as well. Uh, my expectations were that it would be a fairly furious day of um, meetings and intense conversations uh, and stress and people banging fists on tables and screwing up pieces of paper. Um, what I did learn is it's a fair bit more sedate than that. Uh, we had sort of three or four discussions with uh, with some other clubs about you know various opportunities that you know, we that have sort of a couple of them have been aired publicly mm-hmm. um, to progress those discussions. Like you mentioned, Claire, we sort of had some preliminary discussions over the last few weeks with those clubs anyway. Um, so yeah, it was it was a it was a good day to progress those. Uh, we didn't formalise anything yesterday, but with all of the discussions that we're having. You know, everyone's sort of on the same page. Um, you know, you allow half an hour for, for meetings with clubs. Typically they go for four or five minutes. You state your position, they state theirs. We say this is why, they say that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go back to our neutral corners uh, with an agreement to we'll see if we can move a little bit, you can move a little bit, and let's come back again and, and we'll get close to getting a deal done. So That's very boring. Well, I don't want to use the term boring because it's <laughs> it's one day into a ten day period, and That's it might true. really heat up, and I might um, uh, eat my words. So I'm uh, I'm smart enough not to say that just yet because uh, I, I imagine it does get fairly intense towards the back end of it when a lot of the deals are getting done. Um, but so far, um, been able to manage it fairly bruise free. By the end, we could just be full UFC. Just, just about yeah. Well, that's 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 what I hear. My negotiation <laughs> style is a little bit um, different to. To some others, I think that, um, you know, if you can sort of find some common ground and, and a win-win for everyone, uh, that's probably more my approach rather than being um, too big-headed about it. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah, well, it can leave you open at times, but I think um, with enough uh, support and experience around and, and as long as we get out of it, what we need to get out of it, uh, that's what we should focus on. What does success look like for us? Um, and, and leave that as our focus. You're listening to the Drink It Through podcast brought to you by Dare Ice Coffee. Now, Gags, there are a few names attached to us. Uh, we'll get the elephant out of the room, out of the way first. Dylan Shield has indicated that St Kilda is not his club of preference for next year. Obviously um, disappointing. But what does that mean for our, our trade and draft strategy? So we had a pretty clear strategy going into this, this trade period uh, with some certain areas of the ground that we wanted to, to improve. Um, and hence the, the interest, uh, the presentation and the offer towards Dylan. So we would have loved Dylan to join the St Kilda Footy Club. We thought, um, think that he could have brought, um, you know, some immediate improvement on field, some depth and elite talent into our midfield group, and then also off field, you know, just sort of show the way and um, with his, you know, professional standards and preparation. Uh, understand we were sort of one of four uh, that were uh, were pitching for for Dylan. We weren't successful. Disappointing, but it was a very difficult decision for for Dylan to make. Um, and we understand his his reasons um, for not coming. But what he has done is he's through his management um, have indicated that they were absolutely 
uh, you know, really impressed with the way that we approached the whole process. So I think as a club, what we've done now is we've we've found the template that we'll use going forward for all of these um, sort of opportunities uh, to pitch for, for bigger players uh, and we can sort of hold our heads high with the way we went about it. Other names that are probably a bit more solid in terms of moving into the trade period, firstly, Dan Hannabury. Uh, where is that deal at now in terms of getting Dan to the Saints? Um, we've had – so that was one of the sort of the five-minute meetings on uh, on yesterday, Claire. So uh, the positive there is that um, that both sides, so us and, and Sydney, we're, we're pretty much on the same page. So we're not poles apart with what our expectations are um, of what a fair trade looks like for Dan. So we'd be hopeful – all clubs have got a couple of different moving parts throughout this week. Um, we're sort of waiting on a few things to um, to be confirmed, and then you know we're hopefully expectant that we can get a um, a fair deal done for Dan towards the back end of this week. And Dean Kent is that in a similar situation? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, Melbourne have been uh, you know, look Melbourne have been really good to deal with um, as well as is the case with all negotiations. Um, you know, we're we're. Uh, we haven't landed on the exact spot of uh, of what a fair trade looks like uh, in our initial meeting, but the positive there is you know, we're not poles apart, so um, we're um, yeah we're expecting that around the same sort of time frame we'd we'd hope to get a deal done for Dean um, later this week. Is the whole sort of I guess limbo state that seems to be surrounding lots of players and not just our club you read in the media about you know, this person needs to commit to this for these other five things to happen. Mm -hmm. Is that what you expected coming into this role that is kind of like you can only control the controllables and and hope for the best? Yeah, that's the reality of it. Uh, So this part of the the job is, uh, you know, it's two weeks out of 52, but um, there's a a bit happening in it and there's a fair focus on, you know, my role in particular for these couple of weeks. Um, But that's exactly the reality. We can go in with the best intentions, say, okay, if it looks like this, we'll get, you know, these deals done and we'll have trade week wrapped up by one o'clock on Monday morning, uh, Monday afternoon, sorry. Um, but that's not the reality because all the other clubs have sort of certain balls in the air as well and it's, it's you know, you got to wait for a commitment one way or another on um, on various other things. So that's why you need to be a little bit fluid. Um, I certainly don't want to be in the position where we're sc- scrambling around trying to get a couple of deals done in the last hour um, in the middle of next week. Really hopeful that's not going to be the case. Um, I don't think that's good business to, to be doing that if you make decisions under real-time pressure, you, you're more than likely to make a bad one. So um, like I said, we're in a, in a reasonable position, I think, with, with all of them at the moment in that we're, um, uh, you know, we're not poles apart with, with our expectation of what a fair deal looks like for, for both Dan and Dean. In terms of players internally, there has been discussion around a few guys currently yep. on our list, one of those being Jack Loney. Yep. Where is your level of comfortability that Jack will be playing here next year? Uh, pretty comfortable. Pretty comfortable, not 100% though. So we've got an offer to um, to Jack and his uh, management group. Um, really hopeful that that he'll accept that. Um, you know, he should be applauded for the way he, he stuck at it this year and then his performances in the last six weeks of the year were, were terrific. So that's great for Jack um, and it's great for, for St Kilda that we're getting some, you know, some improvement from, you know, the, the guys on our list age sort of, you know, 21, 22. So that's terrific. So hence the reason for us to... Um, you know, want to extend Jack's con- contract out. Um, you know, as is uh, the way in, in footy, he's got a couple of other offers um, from other clubs that he's considering. Um, I don't think I'm speaking out of school there. 
Um, he's also overseas at the moment, making you know, contact uh, communication a, a little bit more difficult. He looks and like he's having a great time. He looks like he's having a sensational yeah. time and he should absolutely go off and, and do that. He's, he's worked hard and had a, um, had a strong year, so uh, get away and enjoy yourself for a few weeks. So um, I'd certainly advocate that. Uh, and his, his manager's also been overseas for a week or so. Uh, so communication has been a little bit difficult there. We're hoping to have a, a really clear picture on that. Um, again, sort of by the end of the week um, at this stage. Yeah, pretty confident, but, you know, also um, eyes wide open to um, to what the reality of it is for Jack. And there are a few guys on our list whose future is still a little bit unclear, Matt Weller, Billy Longer, Louis Pierce. Mm-hmm. Are they still sort of wait and see? Is that some element of this trade period, this will happen and this will happen? Is that just kind of how life has to be at this stage? That's exactly right. Yeah, it's a, it's an unfortunate position or it's an unfortunate reality of, of the industry um, and it's not a nice position for, for those guys to be in. Um, I can sympathise having been in that exact same position myself. Um, it's not comfortable but it's it's a reality of the industry that we're in and the, and the way it works. So we've been really clear with our communication to to all of those guys and their management that, look, it's, it's, we're going to need to wait till. Um, towards the end of the trade period before we know definitively um, which way we go. Uh, and that's, you know, there's, and there's two Ruckman that, um, that you mentioned there and then and Mav as well. So um, that won't become clear until, yeah, basically the end of trade week. So it's, yeah, it, it's not a nice scenario, but it, it's a reality, unfortunately. You're listening to the Drink It Through podcast brought to you by Dare Ice Coffee. Gags, before we let you go, we're going to talk about uh, the draft. Draft Combine was on last week yes it was yep what did you think uh i feel sorry for the boys in a lot of ways (laughs) they um you know some of the guys that sort of know that they're going in the first four or five they can be a bit more relaxed these other poor lads that are just stressing out and you get tested on everything and they try their hardest and they try not to make a mistake in the interviews and in front of the coaches um yeah, oh, it's, it's a, it can be a stressful week for the boys. So I would imagine they'd be absolutely exhausted at the end of it, um, not just from the physical testing, but just the uh, the emotional toll that they'd go through for the week. But um, oh, look, on the whole, you're really impressed by the talent um, of the players and, and also the interviews. We would have had um, myself and um, and Libber and um, Chris Guesty and, uh, and Steve Lenny. We would have had... Oh, nearly 40 interviews with, with the players for about 20 minutes each. Um, and, yeah, there are a few that are, um, you know, you, you call them interesting, a bit different. But um, <laughs> on the whole, there are, they're really well-rounded, solid young men um, who are sort of super keen just to get started on an AFL career. So uh, whichever draftees that, that we go with, um, it will certainly be in, in pretty good hands. Um, there's some some terrific characters out there. Do you remember the day that you became an AFL player? What? How? How did that process happen for you? So I probably alluded to it earlier on. I, I was probably the worst player that was drafted <laughs> in that year, which I, is harsh. You're your harshest critic. So I I was um, taken in the rookie draft with Adelaide's last pick in the rookie draft. I was actually doing a preseason at the Sydney Swans at the time. Uh, my best mate played for Sydney and, and they expressed a little bit of interest um, when I wasn't picked up in the draft. 
Uh, so I went up there and did pre-season before Christmas there, which was a fantastic experience. My mate was living in um, Coogee and the sun was shining. We'd just go to training and uh, go to the beach. So that was, that was pretty good. Um, and then I don't think I had a mobile phone. So on the last day of training, it was when the, the rookie draft was, was basically at the end of December pretty much. On the last day of training, um, my mate Nick Fosdyke, who played a lot of footy for the Swannies, he got a call on his mobile and he said, oh, what's for you? And it was, it was James Fantasia from the Crows and he said, oh, we've just put you on our rookie list. So, oh, well, that's fantastic. Um, I'm pretty happy with that. So uh, I, yeah, I got on a plane the next day and went back. and Back to Adelaide we go. Back to Adelaide I went and um, summer in Sydney was over but uh, got to work straight away with the Crows. Um, so it was, oh, it was fantastic. It's every boy's dream. Um, that plays footy is what you want to do. And like I said, I was fortunate to have the best job in the world for four years. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, uh, I remember it pretty clearly. Well, Gax, you've come a long way from being the worst player on Adelaide's list. Thank you for joining me today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Claire. You've been listening to the Dare Ice Coffee Drink It Through podcast. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or visit saints.com.au for more news.